good to be with you in this circle once again. I'm curious how many of you got a chance to read the blog this week. Thank you. In it, what is the blog? The blog is something we write every week and we send out to you via email. So if you're not on the email, Gary, we're going to get you on the email so you can get it. What I wrote in the blog is that we had a faith uh, formation series this Lent where we talked about what our faith means and how we learn to express it. And many of you remember on Easter Sunday, we incorporated some of those faith statements into the Easter sermon, and Deb Hall and others helped display some of the faith statements on the columns up in the sanctuary in the windows. You all remember this series and the statements. Some of you participated in small groups and also with the take on the questions that we had. So we in the Exalted have thought it might be a good idea for summer that we continue this series a little bit, and we invite members of the congregation, as we do in the summer, to talk about the milestones in our faith. What are those places or opportunities or experiences that shaped us and maybe changed directions for us? We're still lining up the list. Some of the people who are going to speak are right here in this room, and we're getting that ready for you. But Amy and I thought we would kick it off for these first two Sundays to talk about our own milestones in faith. And as I thought about my milestone, I know that it had profound meaning for me at the time it happened when I was a college student. And yet, as I was recalling it, it didn't seem as profound. So I hope that somehow it has some meaning for you. We'll see. But I will just tell you, it meant something to me, so I'll try to relay that to you. Many of you know that I grew up in a church where I felt very loved and affirmed as a child of God. I believe it's become a core of my self-esteem to this day. And it's one of the most important things I think we do in church school, that we do in our church, is to remind everyone of that in the words of assurance, but also in the lessons we have upstairs in church school and that our teachers share. It's also in church that I first learned to speak and sing in front of people. Like many of our children and youth and many of you here in these seats today. And I consider that one of the most important things we ever do is have children and youth among us lead us in song and with their words. And so with that background, singing was always important to me and one of the most influential teachers and mentors in my life was my voice teacher. I started voice lessons at age 12. I started singing in front of an audience. The first audience she ever had me in front of was 2,000 people. But it was an auditorium of 6,000, so it didn't seem that big. She told me when I got out there, if you mess up, just remember it's recreation. So with that sense of supporting me from a teacher and from my community, I learned to use my voice. And I think it's important that all of us learn to use our voices. But more importantly, how does God use our voices on God's behalf? The other thing is that about 30 years ago, I was a section leader singer in a church just down the road, All Saints, Brookline. And it was there that I first witnessed a St. Francis Day, that, that sacred day in the fall when many sacramental traditions remember St. Francis of Assisi, whose prayer we just read together. And just turn to that prayer again, that confession, that prayer is a beautiful synopsis of what it means to practice our faith. And I come to it again and again. We changed it slightly for the confession, but the prayer is basically, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon, discord, unity. Where there is doubt, let me sow faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. 
May I not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. And it goes on that when we part, when we pardon others, we are part of ourselves. When we give ourselves up, we are given life. So the milestone of my faith, which may or may not sound profound to you, is that yeah, I was 19 years old, and I had just, I was in my freshman year of college, and I had come home, I was coming home to sing on the big Christmas Eve service. Now, my church, the sanctuary, sat about 1,200 people. This was a big deal on Christmas Eve, and you know, Christmas Eve in any church, there's a little bit of frisson, a little bit of excitement in the air. You know, people are home, there's lots of music, it's all heightened a little bit. So I was going to sing Oh Holy Night, that big barn burner of a solo. And uh, I had actually prepared ahead to have the choir back me up. And so I prepared a little arrangement that I sent ahead, and the Minister of Music was amenable. And as it got time for the big night, I started to develop a cold. And as any singer will tell you, when you start getting anything wrong with your throat or your whole face and mask anywhere, you get a little nervous, is it all going to work? And I wasn't sure if I could hit that big high note at the end, the one that's the big money note. You don't say that in church, but you know. <laughs> so I wasn't getting paid. So I was getting nervous about this, and for a 19-year-old singer who's a voice major in college, this is a big deal. I wanted to get it right for the folks at home. And so it was consuming me, this anxiety about this moment, knowing that at least 1,200 sets of eyes would be on me. And I just prayed to God to make me an instrument, to just play let me get out of the way. I prayed this over and over. I kind of went to private. When I came up to sing the song, I, it all went fairly well. I was aware of my cold. Any singer can tell you that's when you have to really think about your technique more than usual is when you have any sickness going on. And the choir came in, and there was this emotional swell to the whole thing. And it came time for the big note, and the note came out just as it was supposed to come out. And I felt completely lost and completely played by God in the there's something kind of magical about it when it happened to me. It took me by surprise. I was so freaked out that I didn't want to talk to anyone afterwards. I went and hid in the basement of the church because I didn't want to receive any compliments because I figured that would just mess it up for me. Later, I had a voice teacher who now attends this church, Sharon Daniels, who I went to see, and I told her about this story, and I said, that's what I want to do all the time. I want to sing like that all the time. And she said, I don't know if I can help you do that, but... Uh, <laughs> But you had a spiritual experience, and that's a great goal to have whenever you sing, to let God play you. You know, when we lead worship, and when Amy and Joseph or Susan and or our seminarians pray before worship, the thing we often pray is that we get out of the way as worship leaders, that we let God come through. I often think of us as worship leaders like the, these oscillating fans, that we're trying to steer the Holy Spirit in different directions, but the wind is not about us. It's about something bigger than us. It's about that sweet, sweet spirit. I don't know what it is for you, how you need or want God to play for you, how you are called to be an instrument of God's peace. It may be a really difficult conversation you need to have with someone, perhaps a relative or a friend or a neighbor. But you need to let God just work for you and let go of your anxiety and desire to control the situation and let God have their way. Or maybe it's something you're striving after in your life that you want so badly you can taste it, but it's just beyond reach. 
maybe you need to loosen your grip on the steering wheel and the gear shift and just let God glide you along. It could be anything like that, but I believe God is always wanting to play us. And if you have any trouble knowing what that means, I invite you to go back to St. Francis Prayer. Because that is a great guidepost for how God might want to play you. Where there is hatred, may God play love through you. Where there is discord, may I bring about more union. Where there is despair, may I be a vehicle for hope. Where there is injury, may I bring about pardon. I'd like you to take this prayer home and just think about this week as you go about your daily interactions. You know, St. Francis, Pope Francis, our current Pope, actually did this recently talking about fake news. He took St. Francis' prayer and rewrote it. And he said, Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Help us recognize the evil latent in a communication that does not build communion. Help us to remove the venom from our judgments. Help us to speak about others as our sisters and brothers, our siblings. You are faithful and trustworthy. May our words be seeds of goodness for the world. Where there is shouting, let us practice listening. Where there is ambiguity, let us bring clarity. Where there is exclusion, let us offer solidarity. Where there is sensationalism, let us use sobriety. Where there is superficiality, let us raise real questions. Where there is prejudice, let us awaken trust. Where there is hostility, let us bring respect. Where there is falsehood, let us be the ones who bring truth. I believe the writer of the letter to Ephesus, who is considered probably to be a disciple of Paul, was right that we need to reach out and experience the breadth of God's love and compassion. We need to test its length. We need to plumb its depths. We need to rise to its heights. We need to live full lives, full of this fullness of God. Because, as we often say, the power of God working through us can do far more than we can possibly ask or even imagine. May it be so. Amen.